what's going on, everybody? This is For the Wins bonus uh, edition of the podcast, The Gridiron Geeks, uh, which is For the Wins combination of myself, Charles Curtis, the fantasy geek on uh, The Win, and Stephen Ruiz, uh, who's joining me after week four, uh, our film geek. How are you today, Stephen? I'm excited. As a Panthers fan, they just pulled off the biggest upset of the season, I feel like. Maybe that's just me being a Panthers fan, but it was a it was a good week for me. It was a great week for you and an awful, awful week for me because as a Giants fan, um, I actually, this is really cool. My, my wife took a picture of it. My, my son and I got to actually enjoy a football game and he was actually talking on the screen about Eli and that was all great until the Giants blew it again in the final seconds to a kicker who had missed like four or five kicks. So I'm okay. I'm doing okay. I have a 4-0 fantasy team in one of my five fantasy teams that's only helping me, you know, kind of uh, staunch the bleeding there. So uh, let's get into it uh, as we, as we have uh, after our, this is our second edition of, pod, of, the, of the bonus podcast here. Let's jump right in. Our first uh, segment is four downs, which is us covering four topics that are on our minds this week. The first question, uh, which Stephen brought up uh, earlier, Mr. Cam Newton, is Cam Newton and his performance a sign of things to come? So I I wrote about this earlier today and I had to apologize to Cam Newton because I had written the week before that he was broken. And then I I when I wrote that I hadn't really studied his tape yet. I had just been going off what I saw on the broadcast angle. And then when I did, I I just really didn't see that. He was playing as well as he played in 2015 to me. He he caught some unlucky breaks. His receivers let him down a couple times. He he made he had a couple bad misses, but he's he's been as accurate as I've ever seen him. So I was hopeful going into the Patriots game, and then he did what he did, and I wasn't all that surprised because one, the Patriots defense is just a mess right now, and two, I think he was due for that kind of game. Do you, do you think the shoulder injuries are behind him, or do you think he's still? dealing with that or recovering from that. I, and I didn't see the game, so I can't say, but I sort of looked at the box score and I was like, wow, you know, like uh, that was as impressive of a, of a performance we've seen on him in, since last year, maybe even the year before that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think there's still some rust. He's still missing a couple throws here and there that he sh- usually makes, but I'm not worried about the arm strength right now. Yeah, and that is that. I, I kind of wonder, and this is the sort of thing, something that, that you and I have discussed offline, but we can kind of bring it in here. Is they they draft Christian McCaffrey, um, who was like a, a surprise to me, a surprise fantasy darling going into the season, just because that offense isn't built for a Christian McCaffrey to succeed. And he's had one big game and one, you know, the last game it was okay. Um, I'm just surprised that he went as high as like the second round, mm-hmm. the third round of, of fantasy drafts. But uh, you know, I think it's really interesting to see that offense kind of jump off the page with like Calvin Benjamin having a game and Devin Funches having a game. And it seems like I was like automatically in my head, like this is the game that Cam wanted the, the sort of long passes. Is, is that what we're kind of seeing out of him? Yeah, definitely. We saw that on Sunday. He was throwing darts down the field. And I agree with uh, your point about Christian McCaffrey. He hasn't had explosive game, uh, an explosive game yet, but he's, he's making that offense better. Mm-hmm just by being an outlet for Cam and his completion percentage is as high as, as it's ever been. I think he's up over 65% right now. And I would attribute, attribute most of that to McCaffrey's presence. Yeah, 
And I'm, I, I'm, I'm intrigued to see where he goes from here. If, if the offense adjusts to more of that, you know, let's put the ball in his hands and see what happens. I mean, he did get six carries on, on Sunday um, and Jonathan Stewart got 14. Uh, and I, I kind of expect that to keep going though, mm-hmm. where, where it's sort of Stewart carrying the load um, rushing wise and, and McCaffrey still kind of jumping in occasionally um, to me, McCaffrey's just like a wide receiver. Basically that happens to play running back. So uh, that's the way I kind of treat him in, in my mind. I was I was surprised that McCaffrey was going high in fantasy drafts and that Jonathan Stewart was going so low. Like, as a Panthers fan, I just kind of assumed that it would be Jonathan Stewart being the bell cow back and McCaffrey playing a hybrid role. I didn't ever think he was going to really eat into Stewart's carries all that much. I mean, isn't that the story of the Carolina Panthers rushing attack for years? Like, it's been like, oh, D'Angelo Williams is there, and, you know, he's he's good, but here comes Jonathan Stewart. They drafted him. He's going to do something. And then it's like Jonathan Stewart was always sort of – it was sort of a 1A, 1B situation. So it's it's kind of just falling into the theme of, of, of you know, this is what the Panthers do with their running backs. And we've – as a fantasy community, we've dealt with it for years, and we're just – it's never going to be sort of a bell cow situation, even though Stewart, I think it was last year or two years ago, had a pretty decent season alone without Williams. So uh, maybe that continues. Yeah, I think it does. I think he's going to continue to get the ball. At there you go. So two times more than McCaffrey. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, we'll see if McCaffrey's, I, I want to see him catch like seven balls a game. That's, that's my goal. Um, and I think it, it only goes up from there. Uh, number two on our list of four downs. What is the deal? With the Vikings' backfield, now that Dalvin Cook is potentially, and as of this recording, we still don't have, I don't think we've received confirmation if he has an ACL tear or not. If he's gone for the year, what's the deal? Uh, I'm, I'm staying away from the Vikings' backfield from a fantasy perspective. I, I just don't trust Latavius Murray, and it doesn't seem like they're ready to give McKinnon those carries. I mean, Murray was... I feel like he was definitely a product of the Raiders offensive line last year. Like he never like created his own yards. He's just he would pick up what was available. And I don't think there's gonna be a lot of yards available behind the Vikings offensive line. Yep. You just you just uh, basically summed up the, the post that I, I, I just put together about an hour ago before we taped this. Um, I basically said to everybody, like, don't go out. You know, I said, look, you have to pick up Latavius Murray. There is no avoiding it. He is a starting running back as of next week, assuming Dalvin Cook is out. You kind of have to do it. But your expectations should be so low mm-hmm. because Dalvin Cook creates for himself, right? Like he catches balls out of the backfield. He does beautiful things in space. He's got some speed. And Latavius Murray is just a plotter, you know, the six, three guy kind of, you know, if he goes North to South, that's what you want. And yeah, the Raiders offensive line last year was so good uh, that he could score his 12 touchdowns. And we know in fantasy, if you depend on touchdowns for, for, uh, you know, week to week, you're going to be kind of rolling the dice. And yeah, the Vikings line isn't as good as that Raiders line was. So there's that. And also like Murray this year just has not been that good. I mean, he averaged three point three, three yards of carry on Sunday and it's 2.7 overall for the year. It's like, there's nothing jumping out on the page, and the fact that McKinnon is there, and and we have to talk about Jarek McKinnon because, like, for years, uh, everybody's kind of been clamoring, like, "Oh, here's his chance." It's happened mm-hmm. with Adrian Peterson going down. It, you know, it happened when you know, and then Matt Asiata came in. It's like, uh, wh- what is it going to take for this guy to do anything? And the answer, I think, is just he's a five foot nine guy. He's not necessarily going to be an every down back. He might be dynamic from a you know pass catching perspective, but that's it. So it's kind of a sad situation in, in Minnesota. He's kind of like Andre Ellington. Like I, they're not the same player. Oh yeah. Like situation wise, like you just like 
all right, this is his chance, and then it never happens. Yeah, and we, by the way, we spoke about Andre Ellenson last week uh, on, on our, our group chat and being like, uh, is he going to be good? And I said, well, yeah, maybe from like a PPR perspective. And yeah, this week he caught, what, like eight balls for 82 yards or something like that. So yeah, like if you're in that league that counts one point per reception, I'd say go for McKinnon, maybe over Murray. I, I just, I'm not seeing Murray being more than sort of like a 12 carry, mm-hmm. 60 yards and maybe a touchdown a week kind of guy. And, and, and I guess that's, that's actually pretty good from like a flex perspective. But, you know, and, and that's just indicative of today's running back market. And one thing you have to keep in mind is you have to take the box score from Sunday with a grain of salt because the Vikings didn't game plan around not having Dalvin Cook. So their roles are going to change from what they were on Sunday after Cook went out. Yeah, uh, and, and their coach said exactly that. Yeah, uh, something about, like, you know, how, you know, we're going to have to adjust things. Oh, it's so ominous and so sad because I love watching Dalvin Cook this year. And uh, injuries are the worst, and I hope he's okay. Uh, third on our list of four downs, are the Bills and Rams for real? And I, I want to hand this over to you because you just finished writing about this uh, late on Sunday. Yeah, so I think they're both for real in a sense. I, I think the Bills are going to be a competitive team for the rest of the season, but I just don't think they have the talent on the defensive side of the ball right now to be a legitimate threat in the AFC or even be in the playoff picture by the middle of December. But the Rams, I, I've been high on the Rams all summer, and nothing has changed my mind. Their defense is going to continue to get better because that's what Wade Phillips does. He's a fixer. He fixes defenses defensive problems, which he did yesterday in the second half. They gave up 24 points in the first half and then only six in the second half. And then I'm just a big fan of Sean McVay and his offense. And I I really never lost faith in Jared Goff because I knew Jeff Fisher would be replaced and they would bring in someone that could build around Jared Goff. And that's what McVay has done. It's pretty incredible, actually. And by the way, I love that you called Wade Phillips the fixture. I'm like, oh, is he Winston Wolf? Like, he just comes in. I solve problems. You know, like, it, it's it's an apt metaphor that I, I now want to paste, like, his face on, on Harvey Keitel's face. Anyway, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you about both teams. I think the Rams actually are legit. I think that their defense week to week um, is is tough and they stand you know they stay they stay in games and they stay tough and I my favorite development of this season and I'm sort of kicking myself because I was sort of like are we too low on Todd Gurley coming into this year because he was sort of in the mix of of lower but still you know still in that middle tier of, of backs that we were taking in fantasy drafts I didn't end up with him in any leagues and of course hindsight's always 2020 but there was a part of me thinking going into the season like there's a guy who could potentially improve and i should have just read your columns and realized that maybe you know sean mcveigh was was the answer there um but yeah his development to be now like a top five running back right now is unbelievably fun to watch and and i'm i'm very impressed by sort of the balance of the rams so i still think they you know they could go nine and seven this year that's that's not out of the ordinary uh, you know out of the question the bills eh, less so i think that the, the offense is is it, it they're there i mean they just keep running the ball they're kind of like um the, the Jacksonville Jaguars light, they just keep running the ball with McCoy um, until he runs into the ground, which is which is always scary to me. And Tyrod Taylor continues to be underrated. I mean, he's not he's not Tom Brady. He's not going to sit back in the pocket and like pick apart a defense. But if you build around his strengths, there's a lot there. I mean, he, he throws one of the prettiest deep balls in the league. He creates on his own when the play breaks down. And 
he's accurate for the most part. It, it's amazing to me that he's done what he has done um, this season, particularly without a, a ton of, of wide receiver help. One of the one of the things that I, I, I can you know, and I have to hang my hat on this because my um, predictions against the spread have been just atrocious. So I can be like, oh yeah, I said this right. I said that in the middle of I think week two that Charles Clay was was on his way to a breakout year. Um, and it is happening because simply because there was only one trustworthy guy for, for Tyrod Taylor on the offense. They had just traded for Jordan Matthews, who's now out for a month with a with a after I think thumb uh, uh, surgeries uh, is coming for him. And Zay Jones, who is a first round pick, but a guy who, you know, you don't want to trust a rookie right out of the gate. So who else do they have? They have Charles Clay, who has played with Tyrod for a couple of years. And so it's just amazing to me that that Tyrod continues to thrive in that offense despite a lack of, you know, next to nothing talent after, after trading Sammy Watkins and, and letting go of, uh, oh, who's the receiver that the Rams, uh, picked up. Um, it's, it's escaping me, Robert Woods. but yeah, Robert Woods. Yeah. Yep. Robert Woods, like pretty crazy. Yeah. I think that's what good coaches do. They, they take what they have and they build around the, their players' strengths. And I think that's what Rick Dennison has done in Buffalo. It's it's seriously impressive, and and by the way, talking about coaching, I just bumped into a, a, um, a somebody in my neighborhood who's a Jets fan, and we were talking about the Giants, and I said, you know, Ben McAdoo is a head coach, and I was thinking of your because I just read your, I literally just read your thing when I bumped into the person, and I was thinking to myself like, good coaches really coach up, and and then the the, the ones who aren't that good, like there are a lot of them, it's just it just drags a team down if you don't have that sort of extra X factor. Yeah. That- the Giants have enough tools to build a good offense. I know the offensive line is terrible, but you can scheme around an offensive line. The Bills, yeah. the Bills luckily don't have that problem. They have a very good offensive line, and then they have a mobile quarterback. So that makes it a little easier to scheme because you can do things other teams can't do. And that's what they've done. But you you got to give them credit for doing that. It, it's it, I'm very impressed. I also think Rex Ryan is sort of sitting back and going, man, where was that? <laughs> you know, a little bit. Uh, moving on, our last of our four downs. Are you buying or selling on Deshaun Watson? And I'll start this off because um, I was sort of down on him about two quarters in to the Patriots game last week, where I was sitting there going, you know, he's got he's got his feet. He keeps he, every time he's you know takes a step, he's moving, and I I don't know is that going to help him or hurt him? You know, you, you you can correct me if I'm wrong. The phrase "happy feet" comes into play, right? Like he's just automatically yeah. like just moving and. And then it was like the second quarter. I was like, no, 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 wait, that's it. Like he does have happy feet, but they're really good happy feet. Like holy cow, like this guy is really good. And then this week, obviously, they put fifty-seven on the board against Tennessee, um, and that to me cemented him as a guy who I think. And this is, I hope our, our coworker Luke is listening to this. He's been high on Deshaun Watson since the draft, and yeah, it looks like he's going to be a really, really talented quarterback. But are you buying or selling? I'm buying. I haven't seen the Titans game yet, so I'm kind of going into this blind. But based on the Patriots game, I'm still a little skeptical because, like you said, his happy feet, he still is a little antsy in the pocket. Not a little antsy. He's, he's very antsy. But you expect from a rookie that played in a spread offense. But there's no guarantee that he's ever going to get over that. Like There are still veteran quarterbacks that are like that. Like Russell Wilson has that problem still, but that's probably – has more to do with the offensive line being terrible and him being a little short. Yeah. So it's, he has to create throwing lanes and Andy Dalton's also like that. He gets happy feet if there's any amount of pressure on him. 
But uh, yeah, but both yeah. those guys have proven that you can still have you can still be a successful quarterback if the coaches build around your strengths and weaknesses, which is a theme that we keep repeating in this podcast. Yeah, well, I think we'll get to that with another team that I think is built around its its strengths and weaknesses. And and with Watson, my thing is, if he's doing this in his first four games as a rookie, and he didn't even start the first game, which I don't know if Houston doesn't make the playoffs because of one game, you're going to hear it from from fans everywhere. Uh, but I I think that you're seeing nowhere to go but up. That he can be coached in a way that maybe he solves a few of the, the problems. He's still a work in progress. Um, uh, and it's kind of interesting to look back at the draft, by the way, and think to yourself, okay, Watson was flawed. You know, teams shied away from him. Kaiser was 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 uh, was thought of as, like, you know, kind of a, a down quarterback. We're about to see Trubisky potentially report saying that he's going to uh, start over Glennon. So is this quarterback class kind of better than we all thought, or is our – our expectations for quarterbacks now down because just we're, you know, I don't know, there aren't as many talented quarterbacks as there used to be. I'm going to take this time to pat myself on the back because I was higher on this <laughs> draft class of quarterbacks back in May. I, I wrote in my quarterback rankings for, for the draft that it's not there's it's not high on like blue chip prospects, but it was a deep class. I had Kaiser as my number one quarterback going in. I was pretty high on Trubisky. I had him as a a first rounder Deshaun Watson I was a little lower on I had him at a, as a second rounder but yeah I mean these are all solid quarterback prospects and I think they're proving that early on Trubisky proved it in preseason I think he's gonna improve that Bears offense now that he's starting I'm very intrigued to see Trubisky in that offense because if Mike Glennon could kind of do some things that offensive line, and, and when I say some things, I don't mean a lot of things. But he, you know, he got the ball to Tarek Cohen. He, you know, he 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 spread it out occasionally to to a few of those receivers who aren't that great. And Jordan Howard continues to be great, even though the the offensive, even though the rest of the offense is terrible. So I kind of think they have nowhere to go but up from there. Um, and it should be interesting to see uh, another rookie out there. It's it, 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 and that, by the way is a story heading into the draft next year because then you have potential of, what, three or four more kind of big-name quarterbacks coming in, and you could have, what, eight or nine of these young guns kind of, you know, taken over, and, and everybody can kind of hush up about bad quarterbacking around the league. Yeah, and then we just had Goff, Wentz, and Prescott, and then before that, Mariota and Winston. Yeah, so the quarterback crisis has been overblown. But I think this Trubisky starting... And Watson getting onto a good start. I think this proves that mobile quarterbacks are they're undervalued in the league. They might not have like the same awareness in the pocket that a traditional drop back passer does, but they allow you to, allow you to do so much more things with the offense. You can run read option, you can run bootlegs that it like makes up for that. So it expands the offense. But it all, I, the off, the offensive coordinator has to simplify things for for these quarterbacks, but it still expands what they can do. So it it makes it makes up that difference. I love that. I, I think that that it's time for the NFL to start listening to this. But we all know, you know, that it's a copycat league. So uh, maybe maybe that's what people are doing now. Maybe that's why we're, we're seeing success. Interesting stuff. Next on our list, by the way, we have to we have to move on. I would love to talk about Sean Watson for another hour, though. <laughs> um, our unpopular opinions. We share one. 
opinion that we think is kind of unpopular with the rest of the world, uh, I'll let you start off with yours first because mine is going to, I think people are going to like shut off the podcast when they hear mine. So so I'll, <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll go over to you. So mine is that the Vikings wide receiver duo is a top five duo in the league, and that's Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen. I think both of these guys are tremendously underrated, especially Thielen, who who does everything well. He's a deep threat. He, he tracks the ball well in the air. He runs crisp routes. And Stefan Diggs is the same. He, he can, he's kind of like Jarvis Landry in that he can run those short routes and turn them into something bigger. But he can, he can also go deep. There's just nothing that th- these two can't do. And they're, they both have good hands. If Laquan Treadwell ever got his act together, then the Vikings would be a dangerous passing offense. Would they though? Would, would Laquan be? I don't know because uh, it's such a short passing. You know, it's I don't want to call it dink and dunk. That's too oversimplifying. But you know, it's a lot of short stuff, and you know, get the ball in the receivers' hands and let them work. So would Laquan like I don't know work in that? I don't know if he's more of a deep threat. You know what I mean? Like, uh, well, I think Sam Bradford is underrated in terms of throwing deep. He just doesn't have the opportunity to do that because of the offensive line. But I think it's a little bit better than it was before. So maybe they'd be able to push the ball downfield more. I mean. You can't really judge it based on what Case Keenum's doing either. He has no arm strength and he's not very accurate. Right, and that's that's sort of what I was thinking of. I was like, well, Bradford isn't going to be back anytime soon. I mean, the, the X factor there is Teddy Bridgewater coming back. I'm kind of like looking at my watch, like, when's he going to come back, and is he? Are they going to put him in? And you know, that that to me would be really intriguing, uh, especially because I think that just the Vikings are such a a dramatic team right now because of you know now you have dig uh, you now you have um uh, dalvin cook going down you have bradford when is he going to come back it's like if they put it all together they are a really dangerous team yeah it's unfortunate that they can't stay healthy yeah that's the worst i agree with you by the way about the top five i, I don't think it's that unpopular but i feel like there are some people who are you know maybe are more casual be like wait what really Thielen and Diggs? but no Diggs. the the, the crazy thing to me about him is him as a red zone threat because he's a shorter guy, speedy guy, but you know, I've seen him go up for a few balls uh, in the end zone and he gets up mm-hmm. and uh, that's really, you know, impressive to see him come down with some of those, those catches and Thielen, I, I said to you is, is a geek guy. Like, Football geeks love Adam Thielen. That's my that's my take, and I think it's it's just easy because he's the route runner you want. He's got great hands. It's everything you, you mentioned, and it's been a joy to watch him and, and Diggs become this um, from a fantasy perspective too, like duo that even and and that's the crazy thing too, right? They have Case Keenum at quarterback for the last couple of weeks, and they're still succeeding. Which means, and this is what I was referring to before with what we were talking about with. Um, uh, Deshaun Watson and, and Bills and those teams. This is a marriage of like a good offense and a good de- offensive design with the right personnel. And that, when that happens, it's like art. Yeah, I, it's definitely better than what Norv Turner was running last year. And I think the wide receivers are benefiting from that. Incredible. All right, here's here's my unpo- uh, unpopular opinion. Everybody ready? Just, just sit down in your chair a second. I think the Colts should trade Andrew Luck. Now, comes an asterisk. Um, I don't think that they should trade Andrew Luck without him wanting to be traded. I think Andrew Luck should want to be traded from the Colts. First of all, the Colts can get a lot of value for him in case you don't know. I mean, this is Andrew Luck we're talking about here. Uh, The guy, when he is healthy um, and when he is all together with, with talent, he's a Super Bowl contender without any anybody else around him, let alone, you know, T.Y. Hilton. Um, he can single-handedly win you 
so many games. The problem is, is one, he's not healthy. Two, he has not been healthy. And three, I think the Colts are just a bad team. So I want to see the Colts kind of just say, you know what? We're going to get, you know, whatever it might be. Some team's got to give them like two first-round picks or something, uh, at least. And that's the starting point uh, for Andrew Luck. I just want to see it happen. I mean, this is, and, and again, this is where the fantasy geek in me is starting to come out, right? Because it's like, they're not really going to trade Andrew Luck. They have a huge contract with him. He's still young. Um, he's still recovering from, you know, what was an awful, awful injury last year. And he had like two awful injuries before that, you know, the, the lacerated spleen was it, whatever it was. Oh man, that just, that made me sick. Um, but they can't protect him. Um, they haven't surrounded him with enough talent. And I, I think the, the Colts are like what, two or three years away. That's my rant. I want to hear your, your take. I think you're probably going to like, just rip it apart. I'm not, I'm not, even though I love Andrew Oh, nice. Even though I love Andrew Luck and I think he's, He's a healthy shoulder away from being an elite quarterback. I'm always down for a team trading away a franchise quarterback for, for like just a ridiculous amount of draft picks. Because one, he's making a ridiculous amount of money. So you save that money, you get these draft picks where you can pick up another quarterback. And we know what the best value in the NFL is. It's a good quarterback on a rookie contract. I, I feel like just a decent rookie on a modest contract is better than a great quarterback on a ridiculous contract if you throw in those extra draft picks. I'd rather have that package as much as I love Andrew Luck. I mean, I would never trade Andrew Luck, but that that's just me trying to back your argument here. <laughs> yeah, I, well, this is my other thing, right? And like, this is not like a Jacoby Brissett, you know, like, oh, Jacoby Brissett is the answer because he's not, obviously. Um, but I just think that that you're looking at a team that, the, the future just doesn't have anything in store for them necessarily. I think the offense is pretty good. I also think that the the, the defense is just a, a mess, and they have so many holes to plug in the next few years that if you're Andrew Luck, you kind of, you know, and there was that sort of report where it was like, maybe he wants to be traded. I think it was erroneous, so mm-hmm. it was like kind of put to bed. But it kind of planted the seed for me, like, wouldn't you want to maybe trade Luck if you could get, like, at least a couple of, you know, a huge package of draft picks and start all over again when you're kind of close to wanting to start all over again. So that was my, that was my feeling. Yeah. I'm not, I'm, I mean, I'd, I'd be down for it. I'm not <laughs> See, just going to rip it to part yeah. uh, to pieces. I, I always love a trade like that. Yeah. I'll tell you who, who's going to do it too. The New York jets. You watch. <laughs> there's going to be talked about that. No, I, I kid, but you never know. You never know. I, I, I feel like there's a franchise out there that's willing to give it up. I just remember the saints giving up. What was it? Five first round picks for, uh, for Ricky Williams, so it, it can happen. Here's my question: how how much worse are the Colts with Jacoby Brissett compared to if they had Andrew Luck right now? They probably would have won more game. One more game. Yeah, that's well, that's my thing. What I'm saying is, it's not that big of a difference. And then think about Jacoby Brissett plus the 25 million they save in cap space plus the extra draft picks. I think you break even there, right? Yeah, totally. All right, the Colts fans out there are like, well, maybe maybe we talk them into it a little bit. <laughs> uh, Zero chance on. that happened. No. They, no, they turned the podcast off right when you mentioned trading Andrew Luck. Yeah, thanks thanks for listening. <laughs> Anybody who stuck with us will, will, will come with us to the next segment, um, our Would You Rather segment. Um, so I, I had a, a, you had a good one here. Um, I'm going to lead off with that one. Would you rather be a Falcons fan or a Patriots fan right now? And I'm going to go with Falcons fan 
I just think they're trending up, even though they 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 lost. You know, they're they're three and one. They're you know, there's they have that beautiful new stadium. So that there's a factor. But I think the Falcons still are an absolute contender in the NFC. Um, I think that that you know they they are they put it feels like last year behind them till the playoffs come. Of course, I think the offense still runs okay, even though hopefully um, uh, Julio Jones is okay. It seems like the, he'll get the bye week to uh, rest his hip. Um, but on the defensive side of the ball, they still are hanging in and, and still kind of doing the same things that that team last year was doing to get to the Super Bowl. So I would rather be a Falcons fan right now. I think the Patriots are trending down just a little bit. I still think they're one of the top five teams in the NFL, but you know, the defense is a mess. Uh, the, the targets on their back for them, you know, kind of uh, being the, the, the top of the heap. I mean, Tom Brady's having himself an incredible season, but, um, I, I think, you know, uh, the, the Tom Brady era is going to come a little close fairly soon. Um, and I say fairly soon could be two years, three years from now. Um, I'd rather kind of be a Falcons fan. I'm sticking with the Patriots. Uh, I'm not all that high on this Falcons team for a couple of reasons. I, last year they were just tremendously lucky when it came to injuries. Like the whole, the whole offensive line played started all 16 games, which is ridiculous. And, that hasn't happened early this season. They lost Ryan Schrader. Julio Jones went out yesterday. Mohamed Sanu went out also. So I think they're due for some some regression there in the, on the injury side. And then they're like, what, six yards away from being one and three right now? I know they, they were about 10 yards away from winning yesterday. But if Golden Tate stretches out the football another foot, they lose that game. And if... I forget who the the player was, but the guy, a Bears receiver, had his hands on the game-winning touchdown and couldn't haul it in. Oh yeah, that was the overtime game, right? No, I don't think it went to overtime. Oh no, that was no, that was the Steelers game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, who was it though? It was. I don't in, remember. It was in Week One. Yeah, so they they're that close to being one and three right now. And, Intriguing. And as for the Patriots, I mean, their defense is a mess right now. I've never seen so many coverage breakdowns by a, a Belichick coach team, he's going to figure out a way to solve those. I mean, it wasn't just the Panthers just beating them. They were just miscommunicating. They were leaving receivers wide open. It happened multiple times. Is there something, though, to, like, I don't know, rooting for the team that you kind of want to see? I don't know. It's an NFC versus AFC thing in my mind as well. There's something about, and, and this is also because I, I guess we both root for NFC teams, but I don't know. The, I guess... Uh, Maybe it's easier to be a Patriots fan, a little bit tougher to be a Falcons fan, and I, I maybe I want the tougher route. I can't figure that out, but I think I probably you're probably right. It, I I don't know why. I, I also you know love the, the underdog, and you know who else is an underdog than a team that was down? Uh, it was up twenty eight to three and lost the Super Bowl. The team down twenty eight to three is a pretty big underdog. Yeah, <laughs> touche. You got me there. Uh, here's the other would you rather, and this is I think one that that fantasy owners and real. NFL fans would debate as well. Would you rather have Carson Wentz or Jared Goff? So do you want to do this from a fantasy perspective? I'll let you take that angle, and I'll do it from a real football perspective. Sure. I think with with regards to fantasy prospects, I'm going to go with Carson Wentz just because I think he's got the better weapons of the two. And it's funny because we just talked about Sammy Watkins and, and Robert Woods. Uh, you know, it just seems to me that, that the Rams – their best weapon is their running back. Um, uh, I think Wentz has, you know, multiple receivers, Alshon Jeffrey and, and Nelson Aguilar is having a, a fine year. And, and uh, you know, Zach Ertz, who's like my favorite 
um, tight end of the league right now. Just watching what the two of them are doing together is terrific. Um, so from a fantasy perspective, I would rather have him, even though he's less accurate than Jared Goff is. I just think that that sort of with Wentz, you have the potential for more explosivity. Um, I have this debate with my friends all the time, fantasy football-loving friends, like, would you rather have consistency or explosivity? And so you want to kind of com- combine both on your team where you get some guys who are, you know, a week-to-week consistent guy who don't have a high ceiling, and then you have the guy who could explode for 120 yards and a touchdown or could, you know, be 46 yards and, and nothing. Um, and I think Wentz can be that guy sometimes that he can just, you know, explode and have a huge game, and he's surrounded by a lot of great weapons, and, uh, you know, he, his running back situation isn't as good, so maybe he throws the ball more. So Wentz over Goff there, not by a huge margin. Yeah, I, I agree with that from a fantasy perspective. He's the focal point of the offense, and the same can't be said about Goff. It's obviously girly. But from a real football perspective, this is tough, but I think I'm taking golf just because, like you alluded to, he's more accurate. I think he does a better job of seeing the field. Wentz is definitely improving in that aspect, and he's getting a little better in the pocket. But as we uh, pointed out with Deshaun Watson, he, he still has those happy feet. And he, he kind of panics in the pocket, but he does something strange where he just like plants his feet, and it's almost as if like his feet are like, in cement and he just throws flat foot in it causes the ball to sail on him golf has a somewhat similar problem where he loves to drift back in the pocket and ends up throwing off his back foot and that also causes the ball to sail but i think he'll he'll get rid of that with more experience i think he's just getting used to facing an nfl rush inside a tight pocket but he's shown signs that he can navigate in a tight tight pocket and i don't think wentz has yet but he, he's he's the more creative player, which helps you out from a fantasy perspective again because he can create yards on the ground, and Goff is not going to give you that. Right. The other thing that I noticed, by the way, about Wentz, and you can tell me as, as the as the film guru over over my eyes, which was that I Wentz from looking at his arm, sometimes he does like, uh, I call it the grenade thrower, where he just kind of like, you know, loops his arm. It's, it's that extra second of mechanics that makes safeties, you know, jump on, on routes and things like that. Do you see that in Wentz more? Or am I just, or is that just what he did against the Giants a few weeks ago? No, yeah, that's been a problem since last year. It still is a problem. He, yeah, he dips the ball down low. Is a wind up to his throw. Uh, Blake Bortles has the same problem, and yeah, that's yeah. why that's uh, one of the reasons he has so many balls tipped at the line. He's had a couple interceptions like that this year, but that that's part of it because then the defensive line can react. They have more time to react and get their hands up. Well, we'll see. I I, I think it'll end up being Goff being the better real quarterback at some point. Maybe not this year. I think I think it's it's Wentz right now, but it, it's close. It, that was a fun one to kind of do. Our last segment is called Start, Bench, Cut. It's uh, modeled after a certain game that involves um, um, uh, marrying and, and other things. <clears throat> so uh, here's what we're going to do. We pick three things in the NFL, and we either say we're going to start them, bench them, or cut them. Now, this does not mean we're going to cut them in real life or in fantasy. It's just similar to that game. If so we're forced to choose. Four, right, exactly. We're forced to choose three things uh, of, of uh, similar nature. Uh, so... Here's one I, I, I presented to you. Um, which would you start? Which would you bench? Which would you cut? The 0-4 Chargers, the 0-4 Giants, or the 0-4 Browns? This is a tough one. I think I'm starting the Giants. I'm benching the Chargers, and I'm cutting the Browns. 
not that we didn't expect the Browns to be bad this year. I mean, I was, I'm hopeful for the future, but I still thought they were a year away. And then Miles Garrett hasn't played and Deshaun, they're playing Deshaun Kaiser from day one, which I think is the right choice, but it might not be the best choice for winning this year, which I don't think they even want to do. I think they'd be content to get another first overall pick. So yeah, I'm going to cut them. The Chargers, I'm, I've been waiting for them to to get better luck for three years now, and it's just not happening. So I'm just I'm just off that bandwagon. And then the Giants, the defense is it's it, it's underachieved, but it's still it it should be playing better. I think it's going to eventually start playing better. And the offense, the same thing. You can say the same thing. I think eventually McAdoo will he'll figure something out. He'll figure out how to work around the offensive line. And I, that started to happen last, uh, yesterday. I think Eli had 49 attempts and didn't get sacked once. I didn't watch the game, but I saw the. I looked at the box score and noticed that, and it was it was pretty shocking. Yeah, uh, the, the Giants. I mean, I could I could talk about this for a whole podcast, but no, I I actually will will start the Chargers, bench the Giants, cut the Browns, and and like you said, with the Browns. I think they'll win a game at some point, maybe one, um, and that's totally fine with them. And I think they should—they should. They should uh, it's what the Jets should have done, which is tank a palooza. Of course, now the Jets are a two-and-two two team, and, and you know potential for another win next week against those very same Browns. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I'm with you. You kind of you know leave the 0-4 Browns for this year uh, on the bench, or uh, cut from our little you know uh, trio here, and say next year. With another first round pick, and then they start really, you know, contending with the team on the rise. Um, the Giants, I, the, my problem is, is they are consistently inconsistent on all sides of the ball. Uh, the, the defense can't stop anybody uh, on the ground this year. Um, it just seems to me there's an older defense uh, present. You know, uh, last year they were kind of, you know, it's another year of of some of these veterans out there. There's not a lot of ton of youth out there. Um, and the offense, I mean, we've seen it. It's the offensive line is terrible. Um, they just got a little bit of run out of out of a rookie uh, at running back, and then you've got Eli, obviously, uh, with his problems. And they just can't close games. And that, to me, is a sign of is it coaching? Is it you know defense? It's everything. So I, I'm I'm keeping them on my bench. I think the Chargers should be better than they are. I really do. I was kind of sad to see Jason Verrett go down with a knee injury because the the hallmark of that defense was having two cornerbacks like that, and they're just you know, having now they're down to one, it's just, it isn't mattering as much. And, uh, but I still think that Philip Rivers and that offense should be better. And, uh, I think they will be better. You know, I think they're, in other words, I think they're a better team than Owen four. Mm-hmm. I, I would agree with that. I think one, th- yeah. one thing that is missing from the Giants defense right now is BJ Goodson. He, I think he went out in the first game. He had a bunch of tackles when he did get hurt, but I think he's like, brings that defense together he was he was calling the plays he's more athletic than his replacement whose name escapes me at the moment so yeah I think teams are taking advantage of that right now and I think when he gets back it'll improve the defense a little we'll see it's it's I really oh man it, four two of those teams are super duper disappointed I had the Chargers in the playoffs this year even in that crowded AFC West and, and the Giants obviously as well and I'll just cry a little bit about it all right the second start bench cut. Um, Kelvin Benjamin, Alshon Jeffrey, and Devontae Parker. What do you got? All right, so I'm going to start Kelvin Benjamin. I'm going to bench Alshon Jeffrey, and then I'm going to cut Devontae Parker. 
And here's my reasoning. Sad. Yeah, it is sad. Here's my reasoning for starting Benjamin. I think he's he's gonna stay healthy. He he was hurt the first couple of weeks. I think Cam is getting better, and now Olsen's gone, so he's the main red zone target. He's the main third down target. Devin Funches is gonna eat into his production a little, but not too much. So I think. Benjamin's going to be a 10-touchdown guy by the end of the season. He doesn't have any right now, but I think that's coming. He just had a big game yesterday, too. And then Jeffrey, I think we've mentioned this a couple times, the Eagles are just going to keep airing the ball out, and I think he's going to he's going to be Wentz's go-to guy down in the red zone. And then Parker, I, I just i am not willing to trust Jay Cutler at this point. Yeah, that's the saddest thing ever. And I said sad because... I've been a Devontae Parker guy. You can ask guys in my fantasy league. I've been all over him for since he was drafted. And I was like, here's the guy who has all the, you know, he's sort of the prototypical guy, first-round pick, 6'3 guy, all the speed in the world, great hands. And he, he just, last season, he just, you know, faltered. He never really got a, a chance at a, at a training camp. And this was supposed to be his year. He got called Alshon Jeffrey 2.0 or whatever the phrase was by Jay Cutler. And everyone's like, woohoo, this is his year. So I'm keeping him on the cut list i'm with you alshon on the bench and kelvin benjamin yeah every sign is there for kelvin benjamin to continue to be the number one target for uh for cam newton and and to catch uh balls uh, downfield and to kind of be the big body that he always is um and you know there was a point last week where maybe he wasn't going to start but he's it doesn't matter what happens to kelvin benjamin he's still like a big dude who can catch balls and that's all he needs to be um and it's just so funny to me because he's not necessarily as um, prototypical, going back to that word, is Devontae Parker, but he's still a star. And Alshon Jeffrey, you know, Alshon Jeffrey, it's it's funny. I, I was so low on him going this year from a fantasy perspective because he gets injured all the time. And, you know, even though he's super-duper talented and, and, and he's coming and he's been good, but not, like, overwhelmingly great. There are people I know who are way higher on him. Um, he had one really spectacular game. That was uh, Week 2 against the Chiefs, which was a nice little game. Seven catches, 13 targets, for a t- and a touchdown, 92 yards. And then, you know, a few here and there, he'll catch some touchdowns, and everyone's kind of waiting for the injury to happen. But he's been pretty solid, to, to say the least. Um, wouldn't mind him having his wide receiver, too, every week. So I'm, I'm with you on, on that a little start-bench cut. Yeah, and I have Benjamin. I'm starting Benjamin, but I think from a real football perspective, I think he's the worst of those three players. Right. So just keep that in mind. <laughs> <laughs> right right exactly like you know dude dude isn't you know like the greatest uh route runner isn't you know necessarily the speediest guy but he gets it done and and really what else can you ask for exactly uh all right to finish out the week we uh always do our top five teams in the nfl right now i will let you start all right so i'm going with the packers first they finally knocked the patriots off that top spot for me i'm going Chiefs second i'm really high on the chiefs Patriots third, I, I still think they fix that defense eventually. It might take a couple weeks, but I think it gets fixed. I'm going with the Steelers fourth. I think they kind of got over their road woes a bit yesterday against the Ravens. And then I'm going to go with uh, the Panthers fifth. They impressed me yesterday. I think the offense is going to get better. I think the defense is going to be... Uh, top 10 unit by the time the season ends. I think they had a rough day yesterday because Tom Brady does that to every team and nobody knows how to guard Gronk. But I think that defense starts playing better and I think the offense gets back to that 2015 form 
and I think they take that NFC South. Wow. One week of Cam Newton looking like that, and you have him fifth overall in the NFL? I, I may be a little bit biased. <laughs> that was a homer pick right there. Yeah. Anyway, that. I, all right. Let's see. I, I, I give me two more weeks of Cam Newton looking okay, like that, and okay. I'll do it. Um, I, I'm actually sticking kind of with what I had last week. Chiefs first right now. We haven't seen what happens on Monday Night Football. Um, I assume they come out of that game against the Redskins with a win. Uh, Patriots still second. I'm not losing faith yet. Um, I'm I'm wary of the defense, but. Like you said, Belichick can, can clean it up. It's it's still early uh, in, in the season. Falcons third still. I just I think that team can still win the NFC uh, and, and continue to do what it's been doing. Packers fourth. I'm probably underwriting them a little bit, but I still think the Packers are, are a team to contend with. And I'm sending the Lions out of my fifth spot here, and I'm replacing them with the Denver Broncos. And I'll tell you why. I think that defense is as elite as, as it's been um, since its Super Bowl winning year a couple of years ago. Um, and I think, you know, Trevor Simeon being even better than he was last year is indicative to me that they can be a balanced team as opposed to just defense, not enough offense. So uh, I'm, I'm putting them fifth right now with some confidence. Yeah, I think the Broncos are sixth on my list. Simeon has impressed me. The running game has been better than I thought it would be because Jamal Charles looks pretty good. And yeah. the defense is, I think it might be better than it was last year, even after losing Wade Phillips because the run defense is stout. And that was not the case last year. It's it's pretty insane what they have done. Uh, thank you guys for listening. We will be back next week after another week of awesome NFL football. And keep tuning in, and we'll we'll speak to you all next week.